Hello and welcome to the Key Hire Solution Show for Small Business. I am Corey Harlock, creator of Key Hire. And uh, today our topic is going to be how to um, motivate or address uh, underperforming uh, employees. But before we get to that, I would just want to welcome to the live stream here. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, as they say in the biz, pound that like button um, or, or give it a like, give it a share, do something for us. If you like it, show your appreciation. If you want to catch up on past uh, shows we've done, you can always check out our, our podcast. Uh, Matt, I might be catching you off guard, but you can check us out on the podcast. We're on, on all the major providers, believe it or not, which is very cool. Uh, so you can listen to it in the car while you're driving. Um, you can always go to our LinkedIn page and like us there. And most importantly, if you have any questions that come up while we're doing the show today, please drop them in the comment section. Uh, we want to know what you what you out there want to hear, or even if you have a topic for a future show, drop it in there. We'd love to hear it. What is Key Hire? Uh, Key Hire is a talent strategy and acquisition company designed specifically for small businesses. Five to 80, 100 employees, or yeah, five to 100 employees, $5 million to $25, uh, $25 million in revenue. Essentially, what we help you do is build leadership teams, whether you're upgrading a current role, uh, you need to develop a new role, or you're, you have some growth on the books and you know you need to, um, your leadership team needs to evolve and we need to add layers. We can help you do that and put the strategy together for you uh, to help you do that as well. So underperforming employees is a huge, huge issue right now. Uh, people want to talk about Gen Y, Gen Z, all this craziness. Uh, and we're just going to talk in really kind of sweeping generalities today because 15 minutes isn't going to be enough time to really get too deep in the weeds unless, of course, you have questions that are real specific, then we can jump into those. But I think the first thing we need to do is define what is underperforming. Hiring good people or hiring people you think are going to be great will never compensate for bad management and bad leadership. You know, we talk to people all the time to say, if I can just make this one higher, everything will be great. And it's not, you know, we always make the analogy, we're not trying to hit a home run. One hire is not going to save the day and make your life easier. It's really four singles. We got to do things in succession. We got to give them time to, to, to grow. We got to nurture that growth. And we have to, when we hire someone, set them up to succeed and understand what are the objectives of that role. Oftentimes, when we look at an underperforming person and we talk to a business owner and say, you know, why are they underperforming? They start listing a bunch of things that aren't being done or aren't being done correctly. But maybe they were hired and they didn't have experience to do that. And then we didn't train them. Then we threw a bunch of extra stuff on their plate. And then we say they're underperforming when the reality is maybe it's us who's underperforming as a leader. So that's the caveat as we get into this today. So there are really three, again, sweeping generalizations here, but there are really three categories we're going to look at today in terms of underperforming uh, leaders, employees, whatever you have. Uh, so number one, we could have hired the wrong person. Number two, we could have the right person, but in the wrong seat or doing the wrong job, jobs. Or the people we have could be lacking the capacity to do their job, meaning our business may have outgrown their ability. 
So let's kind of go back to the beginning. So if we look at, we've hired the wrong person. Now, if you've been listening to the show, you'll know that we preach, I preach a using a correct and consistent hiring process. And if we use the right process, um, we are never going to bat a thousand. Lots of baseball analogies today. I guess the playoffs are on. Uh, we're never going to bat a thousand because we deal with people. And there is lots of stuff that go on. There are a lot of variables uh, with people. But what we always want to do is maximize our probability of getting it right and putting in a defined and consistent using the correct process to hire someone will certainly maximize the probability of hiring the right person. So what does it mean when we hire the wrong person? Well, I think there's three kind of areas here. And we've talked about this before. If we hire usually the least expensive option, that means the least amount of experience because experience has value. And so we're hiring on potential. And when we hire on potential, that means we're hiring someone who doesn't really know what we do or have a, a, a breadth of experience in the, wor the world we walk in. And when we hire on experience, the ROI is long tail. It's going to take a while to get your money back out of that person. So the wrong person could be we need immediate results, but we hired on potential. And we haven't even given that person a chance um, to deliver because we wanted results results uh, immediately, but this person isn't capable of doing that. Fred, thanks for the comment. I agree. He says hiring the wrong person can kill your business. 100%. We're going to get to that. Um, the second thing is uh, maybe we hired someone who has a ton of experience uh, and they can do the job, but they're not a culture fit. And um, this isn't PG, so we can say this, but you know, we never want to hire the high-performing asshole. Simon Sinek said it right. He said, if you want to know who that person is in your business, just ask your employees to all point to the same person and say, that's it. We never want someone who's really good at their job but a bad culture fit. If you look at that old four-box diagram where you have experience up one side and then you have culture fit across the bottom, you always want to hire for that you know, top box. But if you can't get the experience you want, always hire culture and you can train the experience. You cannot train people to be a culture fit in your business. Uh, my background, future life used to be in hospitality. And when we hired people to work at the door, if, if they, if on their first day or first week, you had to go and tell them like, Hey, you look angry, like smile. Um, you can't teach someone how to smile. If they're just looking angry all the time, they're just going to look angry all the time. So they're, they're you can't teach someone to smile um, consistently. They can do it for like 10 seconds at a time, but eventually they're going to go back to that grumpy, resting grumpy face, right? So um, that's the other thing. So, so the wrong person. So if we're going to hire on experience, make sure you run the right process to make sure they're a culture fit. Never roll the dice and say, look, it, I just need this experience in my business today. I don't care if they're the culture fit I need because that will do incredible damage to the business for sure, right? Uh, eventually all your good people will leave and you'll be stuck with that person you probably shouldn't have hired in the beginning and now they're holding you hostage because they know how valuable they are. That's a whole other show. We'll get to that one day. 
Uh, so we've hired the wrong person because we didn't have the right process and we didn't understand the role we were hiring for in the first place. We didn't do our diligence. We thought, well, we kind of need someone with this rough experience. Let's go out and hire. Uh, and, and I know the importance of that is because with key hire, that is the biggest part of the work we do is really getting in and understanding if you want to maximize the probability of making the right hire, you have to understand what you're hiring for, what your, what your talent gaps are, what your constraints are and what equity talent equity you actually have in that department or in that role or in the business. Uh, that's a huge, huge thing. Okay. Moving on. So there's, We've hired the wrong person for whatever reason, generally because we didn't do the work up front. We didn't understand what we were hiring for. We didn't have the right process in place and we didn't make the right hire. That's on us. Number two, we have a great person who's been in our business, but they might be in the wrong seat. So how do we know if someone is in the wrong seat? Um, and thank you, Priscilla, appreciate that. Uh, so if someone is in the wrong seat, it might be we have someone who's a real go-getter. We hired them on potential and they're out there. They're doing a bunch of work for us. And, hey, this person is really good. You know, I think we should get them to do some extra work. Uh, but what we often do is when we start stacking this work onto our high-performing individuals, we don't take the time to consider that the work isn't aligned. What I mean by that is we might have someone in our accounting department who is very detailed and likes process and likes procedure, but is really um, active on social media. So we think, hey, we should get them to run our social media. They seem to really enjoy that. And what happens is those two duties, uh, being an accountant or, or dealing with numbers, receivables, payables, whatever it is, is very detailed and process driven. And then we put them into a social media role where now they're having to be very creative. And I call that we're breaking their neck. We're making them do a 180. So we're starting our day here and then we're making them turn all the way around and look the other way to do the, the rest of their job. And one of three things is going to happen in this scenario, generally. Stop me if you've heard this before. But so number one is the job they were hired to do, they would still do a great job at or they'll do an OK job at. It will be diminished a bit, but they'll keep doing a good job there and you will be totally unhappy with the social media or the other role you've given them. Number two is the role you've given them will be really, it will really take off and they'll do a great job at that. But the role they were hired for will suffer. But the most common thing that will happen here is both roles will suffer because it's hard to be in a process driven role and then into a creative role and back to process and back to creative. It takes a long time for you to adjust and to do either of those well, it's hard. And so what's going to happen is you're going to say, you know, this person, they were so good in our administration at the administration side of the business. And then they said they wanted to do this other job. And now, you know, they're, they're just, they, they, their performance is suffering. I don't know what's happened. Well, what happened is we, again, the leaders um, pushed them too far and didn't consider aligning the duties that they have. So again, what do we do here? What's our solution, right? We got to get them in the right seat. Now, if they're an all-star and they're really rocking the social media side of your business and they're loving that, then maybe we look at reinforcing and hiring or getting a temp or outsourcing 
the administrative side of their work and give them more on the marketing side. Right now, we just instead of having someone who is doing accounts payable, now we have a marketing coordinator that we probably needed to hire for anyway, and we can bolster that position a bit and backfill the old role. Or they say, I'm not down with the social media. I'm not I, I'm not enjoying it. It feels a lot like work to me. Um, I'd rather just be on the administrative side. Well, that's great. Let's put them on the administrative side, see what other duties we can add to them over there. Maybe they could take on payroll or benefits admin or whatever that is that could help us on the administrative side and then find an alternate resource on the um, social media, right? We can outsource that. We can hire a temp or a part-timer. We can bring someone in full-time. So we need to understand when we have someone who is really performing well, and because they were performing well and they were asking for more, we heaped it on them. Now their performance is suffering and the results they're delivering are suffering. That could be on us, right? That could be our mistake. So we need to go back and have a conversation with them and say, hey, notice some things going on here. Um, you know, is it too much? Are you having a hard time with the transitions? And then just another footnote here is, also, when a great employee's performance dips, we don't know if they don't have things going on at home. And, th and this comes up more often than you think. But take the time. It, again, it goes with the conversation. You might say, hey, I've noticed your work has suffered a little bit. You, you don't seem as happy as you used to be or, you know, you you're, um, seem to be struggling. What's going on? They might say this social media is too much for me, or I just really want to focus on social media. I want to do this. Or they might say, I got some stuff going on at home, or I got some health stuff going on, or I got some relationship stuff going on. And as empathetic leaders, it's super important for us to understand that uh, and, and help them through that. As much as we say, don't bring your personal life to work when big things are going on in your world. Um, it's hard not to bring them to work. And helping people through that will only build their loyalty and trust in you. And when they are back on track, their performance will be even better. So there's a couple things in there. We got a great person. They're on the wrong seat slash they got stuff going on in their life that we need to know about. So the way to motivate them and get them kind of out of the funk is understand where do we need to put them? Are they in the right seat at the end of the day? Or have, are they in too many seats? And how can we focus their abilities and skills? Number three, I'm going to get fancy, Matt. We talked about this. I'm going to try to present here. Um, I want to show you guys. Um, this is a little thing called Greener's Model Curve. Hey, look at that. There it is. Uh, and Greener's Model Curve kind of outlines the five crises of, that happen within the growth of a company. And, you know, key hire works right here the first crisis, and it's called the crisis of leadership. Now, let me kind of walk you through that. So this goes from a company is young and creative and entrepreneurial. And the first crisis they hit is a crisis of leadership, which helps them transition into direction. So a crisis of leadership doesn't mean they have bad leaders. It means they don't have enough leaders. This crisis of leadership is where a business owner, everyone is their direct report. I had five employees, now I have 10, now I have 20, and they all just come to me when they need something because I know what's going on. 
Bread's the leader's very thin. Everyone's got their fingers in a lot of pie. Well, that, I do sales, but I help with production and I do production, but I help with marketing and I do marketing, but I help with sales and on and on and on. And everyone's doing everything they should be because when you start a small business, that's what you do. Everyone helps out wherever they can. But this is a transition. This crisis of leadership really represents a transition where now we're adding that layer of management in, right? And this is where we work a lot with our business owners because we want to minimize the number of direct reports. And it's a big shift for a business owner. We want to minimize their direct reports and add leadership in and create that organizational structure and that reporting structure. So now this group of people will report to manager A, this group of people report to manager B and manager A and B report to owner. And the reason I bring that up is a crisis of leadership often happens when your leaders or your key people run out of runway or capacity, which means the business has outgrown their abilities. They don't have any experience left in their tool belt. They have no more tools in their tool belt. All they have is a hammer and we need more than a hammer now. And uh, they don't know what to do about that because they don't have any resources to draw upon. And it's hard. It's, it's a horrible place for your key person to be. This is often a manager who used to be great, who is now struggling. They might be missing deadlines. They might be blaming other departments when they never used to do that. They might be really short uh, and grumpy, uh, short-tempered and grumpy. They might start micromanaging the people they never used to. You might start hearing rumblings about them from other people. How they're not playing nice in the sandbox. And this is the toughest situation for a business owner to deal with. It's the hardest one for them to understand and recognize, for sure, to say, this is my friend, this loyal person, my family member who's been with me for 10, 12 years for the good times, the bad times. We slept at the shop together. We've done all that. And then for the business owner to say, but they got me here, but I don't think they can get me there. Worst uh, situation for a business owner to be in and worst conversation a business owner will ever have, bar none. So what can we do when this top leader is struggling? And there's a few things we can do. Number one is we can offer to get them help. You can get them a coach, but again, long tail, right? You can get them coaching, but it depends how quickly. I mean, if, if you're scaling and growing, coaching will not scale this person up fast enough. They won't be able to keep up with the curve, right? They won't be able, they won't be able to match the growth of the company, but that's an option. Number two is you can go get someone insourced, uh, outsourced fractionally to go and help you lead the business and help develop that person. Now that, that again, um, will get them moving in the right direction, but limited resources again. So what do you do when that fractional person isn't there? It depends on the growth of your company and how quickly you want to scale this roll up. Or number three is you hire an internal resource, meaning you hire a manager above that person and someone uh, who has the capacity, who comes from a larger business, who understands where you are and where you wanna go and can scale that up. That's hard to, to go to someone who's been a loyal soldier and say, um, I need to hire you a new boss uh, because your performance isn't there and I don't think you have the tools you need, but I wanna get those for you. 
And when we get to that point, you're really only going to have three choices at that point. Number one is you can say, hey, you can work with this new person and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you up and ready to take that next step. And that might happen, but that is usually not what happens because they're going to be upset. They're going to be hurt. Um, their feelings are going to be hurt. They're going to feel a little betrayed. Number two is you can say we can move you to a different role in the company and hire someone to replace you. And, you know, we can we can communicate that in a way that um, it doesn't, you know, make you look bad and we can kind of put it put together a communication that works for both of us or number three you can say and if you don't like either of those options start looking for a new job and i'll be happy to be your um a reference for you and talk to anyone who wants to employ you to help you kind of facilitate that move right we owe that to them at least that is the worst situation but if you have a leader who's suffering that could be what's going on so this is usually someone who you know started off as a line line worker in our shop and they showed up every day and they're responsible so we promoted them to a supervisor and then they became a manager and now they're you know they're leaving the shop but the only experience they have is when our shop was five million dollars and now we're at 15 and they just don't understand what it takes to build process and procedure that will help the business scale I went over, Matt, way over seven minutes, but I think I think we covered it. Uh, let me know your thoughts in the comment box, please. Any questions? We'd be happy to take on any questions. I think Matt has a couple here for us. So what do we have? What could cause it a, a, an employee to start performing? So, uh, you know, we covered a bit of that, but um, I would say number one is capacity. Uh, they just, the, the, the business has outgrown their ability. That would be number one. Number two, uh, we have, um, as we outlined a bit too, keep the bunch of work on them. And they might think like, oh man, they're taking advantage of me. Like I'm here working 12 hours a day and the owner's heading home while I'm still working. I don't feel like I'm getting supported. Um, or, you know, the biggest one is if they feel like they've been betrayed or the trust has been broken, that is usually a huge one. So something's happened. Uh, maybe they didn't get promotion they thought they should have gotten, or they knew a job was coming open and you didn't even talk to them and you just hired someone to fill that. Or um, it could be lots of stuff, but it, it's often employees, un, they either underperform because they, they're overworked or they don't have the skills or, you know, that whole quiet quitting thing, but, you know, they're just unhappy. Something's happened in the business that has upset them. And again, that's where going back and sitting someone down and saying, you know, what's going on? I've noticed you're unhappy. It could be something silly. It could be they had a request. They came to you with a request for time off, time off and you blew them off and said, oh, no, I can't. I couldn't let you do that. You know, you're too valuable. And you walked away and they missed their friend's wedding or I don't know. I mean, that's hypothetical, but it's it could be something really small that you could rectify just by having a conversation. It could be something big that you could still rectify just by having a conversation. Uh, if you don't have the conversation, you will probably never uh, find find out what was bugging them and, and if it could have been rectified, right? And if, if you can't fix it and they're that unhappy, again, I mean, say, look, if you don't want to be here, I understand that. Let's let's help you transition somewhere else. It doesn't mean I, I, I don't respect you and like you and want you to stay. But if, if you're really have made your decision to leave, then let me help you do that. And we can work together on it. What else do we have? 
Is it better to remedy underperformance by replacing the person uh, or trying to replace the person in that position? Yes and no. Uh, if, if they're the wrong culture fit, it's probably better to replace them because we don't want to get into the high performing asshole or the low performing asshole situation, right? The black box builder. Um, everyone has those uh, or has, has had those in their business where the person who is the lowest performer, but they make their job so secretive and difficult and convoluted and, and um, that you can't get rid of them because you don't know exactly what they do. And they made you feel like if they ever did leave, your business would be in a whole bunch of trouble. Uh, but they really don't do a whole lot. And um, this caused lots of internal kind of problems within your business. Those people got to go quickly. Um, those are the people that will, will be around when after all your good people leave, that person will still be left in your business and you will be more you will rely on them more. They will be more valuable to you than you want them to be. And now you're stuck with them. And they're the person that should have been first out the door. But because you kept that person in their seat, good people walked out the door. I always just say, or the example I've used often is when I worked in restaurants, you know, we try to get through Christmas. It would be busy. We'd have a couple of bad apples in the lot. And I'd just be thinking, man, I can't, I just got to keep them. I just have to get through the holidays and then the holidays would be over and you would show up to work ready to solve the problem. And before you got anything done, your best employee walks up to you and says, here's my two weeks. I can't do this anymore. I can't work with these people. And I got you through the holidays and I'm out. So now what happens is those people just became the people I really wanted out just became more valuable because now I'm down my best person. Uh, so I can't get rid of them. Because now I'll be down two or three people and we barely had enough people to open the doors as it was. So, uh, but if they're, if they're good people, if they're the right person in the wrong seat, absolutely find the right seat for them. They're a great culture fit. They have a skill set that you can utilize that you can develop on and train, keep them, find a spot for them and then, and then hire for hire to, or find resources to fill the gaps. What else do we have here? Last one. What are some red flags that an employee is underperforming? Awesome question. Um, so it could be, and I go back to the beginning of, of my uh, rant here this morning or this afternoon. How were we measuring performance? Uh, an employee could be underperforming because they were really overperforming, but no one noticed. So they just kind of take their foot off the gas. And that's an indicator that they're looking to leave. Uh, high performing people, if they have to take their foot off the gas or um, aren't at least being acknowledged for the work they're doing, eventually they're going to go somewhere where it's a high performing environment and people are acknowledged. And um, that's just the way the culture is. Uh, so that could be one. Like they're just frustrated. It could be frustrated for lack of acknowledgement. It could be frustration of not having the resources or other people in the business that are a bad culture fit. Other people that are a bad culture fit are your biggest enemy. That is one of the most damaging things. If you have a business with 20 people in it and two of them are bad apples, 10% of your workforce is upsetting the other 90%. The other 90% are not happy working with them. And if those other 90% are really good people, 
eventually they're going to leave if they're going to walk out the door if you don't address the 10 percent uh, a simple analogy is i always use the abc uh, um, employee and i hate it it's super general but it works for this a's are high performers right so if you give them a task it's either done on time or ahead of time at, uh, to the standard or above the standard you want and if they run into a problem they'll like knock on your door and say hey uh, just ran into a little roadblock here. How do you want me to handle it? Good. Okay. I'll have this to you tomorrow. A B player will get, if you ask them to do something, they'll get it done on time or a little late to the standard or a little less. And if they run up in our, against a roadblock and you say, hey, are you going to have the report for me tomorrow? They say, oh, yeah, I was wanting to talk to you about that. I just ran into this whole thing. How do you want me to deal with it? But they won't be proactive in resolving that. Uh, a C player uh, won't even do the report something will happen that was so important that they own they and only they could deal with uh, that uh, they had to they had to deal with that and just could not get that report done they're black box builders uh, as they say so their only job is job preservation so anything that is going to expose them is not a great work per, uh, not great at their job they'll just avoid doing and work on stuff and make it super secret and super confidential and super convoluted uh, if they are in accounting and you say, how do, why don't we use Excel to do our accounting here? They'll say, oh no, Excel doesn't work in this business. Well, we need to use an abacus because that's the only way that it can happen. And then you would say, show me how to do this. And then they would walk you around in circles to the point where you would say, thank goodness you're here. I have no idea how to do this. That's what a C player does. But uh, the moral of the story is the B players are the only people that will move up and down. So if you have an environment of A's, the performance of your B's will rise. If you have an environment with lots of C's, and your C's will leave. Because if you have a, a culture of A players, top performers, C's can't hide in that environment because it's a culture of accountability and they will get out, get out of town. Um, and your B's will actually get better. But if you have a culture of C players, your B's, their performance will lower and your A's will get out of town because they can't stand working in that culture of uh, place and blame and not being accountable and, you know, not doing your job and not getting stuff done. So that's important stuff to know. So um, some red flags employ, man, that was, I went way off, but red flags employees are underperforming or we might even replace that with need help or need to have a conversation with you are, Previously happy and top performing people are no longer happy and maybe missing deadlines or a little grumpy or they start placing blame or um, they stop taking on the extra stuff. And you'll see, you'll notice when your best people aren't, aren't at their best. And that's where I go back to just have the conversation. It might be something totally unrelated to work, but if, if you're there and you can help them, that buys a lot of loyalty and, and, um, that will go a long way. All right. I think that's it. We're two minutes over today. I want to thank everyone who joined us. I think we had uh, one of our, our biggest uh, RSVPs to our, our show yet. Um, you could, This will be up on uh, the podcast, I think, next week, or we'll have a new show up uh, next week. I don't know if it's this one or not. So please check us out on there on, on all the major podcast providers. You can check out all of our videos and previous live streams on YouTube. And you can like our LinkedIn page and keep uh, up to date on what we have going on. Uh, if you like this and enjoyed it, please hit that like button and share it with someone who you think would be valuable.
if you are having talent, you need to talk about talent. Underperforming managers, you need to upgrade a role. You're talk, thinking I might need a new position or I just don't understand why these people aren't performing the way they used to. Give us a call uh, on our website. We have a, um, a free consultation. No weirdness, no sales, just help. Um, we're happy to spend a half hour with you and, and pick your brain, learn what's going on in your business and make some suggestions on how you might be able to uh, tackle that. If you like what you hear, maybe you want to work with us. So until next time in two weeks, this is Corey Harlock with Key Hire Solutions. Thanks for listening.